All right. It's That's Enough Out of You podcast with Bill and Sean. And Sean, how you doing today? Good, buddy. What's going on? It is uh, a decent day in February, although there's, there is some, some snow on the ground, but uh, doing all right. Kind of a busy, busy weekend as usual, but enough time to get a podcast in. Always, buddy. Always. So, uh, I don't know. What do you think? What's uh, today? Actually, I, I watched a little bit of spring training baseball today. So yeah, that- getting into the, the the groove for baseball season, buddy. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. The weather will start to break for good, and we'll be right in the heart of that rivalry, buddy. That's right. We'll be going at it. Although for me, you know, baseball doesn't really start until after hockey's over. So, yeah. Depending you know on me, my, I'm a baseball guy and I'm a college football guy, and we're going to talk about that tonight, buddy. That's our subject. All right. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, something called name, image, and likeness, which is a relatively new, um, I don't know, what would you call it? A new program or a new. A new uh, yeah. It's, it's a new policy. New policy. You know, and, and we're going to talk uh, NIL and we're going to talk the, the, the larger state of college football, too, you know, because. Of, uh, where where it's going and where it's headed, and I got some strong feelings on this because, you know, it's one of my favorite sports. You know, I, I made it known I'm not a big NFL guy. I like college football because it's not the NFL, and right. these guys that are trying to make it like the NFL are really getting on my nerves. And we're gonna call them out tonight, buddy. All right, that's what fine. we do. Let's get into it. Okay, buddy. So nil. So it really started, Bill, in, in the state of California, 2019. They were the first state to adopt it. And then there was a Supreme Court decision in a specific case that ruled against the amateur rule where amateur collegiate athletes could not be paid. And then after that, the NCAA, who we're going to talk a lot about tonight because uh, they got my wrath coming, um, they issued the, the NIL policy, which permits student athletes to earn compensation on their name, image, and likeness. All right, Bill. And the thing is, NIL should be the best thing that happened to college football, to be honest with you. And because of the NCAA, who who I feel is, is a gutless organization that's never, ever had the student athletes back and ever had the interest of the student athletes, um, you know, they, they turn us into the Wild West. And then you have school presidents that are looking the other way and um, you know, yeah. there's all these illegal deals going on. And the next thing you know, it's just complete chaos and it's hurting the game. It's hurting the kids and, and the people who love the game, just the direction of college football right now is an absolute disaster. And you know, the, the Massachusetts governor is going to be taking over the NCAA in March. And he talks some big game, buddy. I mean, he said that, you know, he's going to fix this problem. And I think specifically he said by 24, 2024, he's going to fix the NIL problem. Now, that's big words, and um, I hope he does it. But from from following college football my entire life, I have no confidence in the NCAA, none, zero. So let's take, let's take a couple steps back, though, Sean, because okay. this is something that for, I mean, up until, what was it, 2021, when, when this policy first came into, into effect, right? Right. The NCAA, and this isn't just college football. This is all NCAA. It is all sports. All but sports. let's face it, Bill. Most schools, you know, college football pays for just about everything else. Oh, absolutely. A lot of schools. It's totally a huge money maker. Totally agree with that. Although, 
we are seeing some of the some of the athletes in in other sports, particularly sure. the, the women's uh, women's sports, um, doing pretty well with this. But let, I mean, let's just take a step back. So for years and years and years and years and years, the NCAA, the all of these major you know major colleges and universities were making millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, all, basically off of the backs of these student athletes. Correct. And they were not getting, they were, they weren't seeing, not only were they not seeing a dime from it. Um, well, they were getting a full ride scholarship though, Bill, you got to count that for something. I mean, some of these schools you're talking about, you know, a hundred grand. I mean, that's, they're getting a full ride for free. So that's something, but you're right. They're not getting compensated for, for playing yeah, the game. I mean, I, I mean, it's compared to what, you know, to what the schools are making. Sure. It's are basically, they're not seeing, and they, they're there for, for a purpose. They're there for a reason. Sure. To, to win, to win games, football, basketball, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, whatever sport they're in, they're brought in, they're not brought in, you know, for their, for their contributions to the academic uh, society of that school. They're brought in to win football games. Most of these players. Right. So, there's a purpose to it. So if they get drafted, some of them make it to the NFL. Some of them end up very getting, small percentage, Bill, very right, small, percentage. very small percentage get actually get into the NFL. And when they do Bill, the, the, the career um, average is like five, six years in the NFL. And the, and a lot of these guys, if they don't know how to handle their money, if they don't have good people around them, well, that's what I'm going to get into tonight, buddy. All right. All right. So let, so again, my point is, the, this had been a one-sided system for a very, very, very long time. Sure. And now the, you know, the, the Supreme Court kind of stepped in to balance the scale. So now that now the athlete is able to make some money, they're they're able to get some compensation. Right. And I have zero problem with that. Right. Zero Absolutely. problem. It's the way it should be. Well, let me let me let me explain, Bill, the way this is the perfect model of the way NIL is supposed to work. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let me use you as an example, Bill. So your son Jeremy, let's say he he's a high school senior. He okay, when he's a high school senior, mm-hmm. let's just say he's the top quarterback prospect in the whole country, Bill. Okay. Okay. And he's recruited by every school. So every school in the, the nation from California to Florida to up north, they all uh descend on Archbald, Pennsylvania, and they're they're recruiting Jeremy. So Here's how it should work. Now, I'm going to use Notre Dame as an example because that's the team I follow the most. I'm, I, I know the most about what's going on there in the program. I have the most examples from there. So so let's just say Marcus Freeman comes to, to Archibald, sits down with you, Mary Alice, and Jeremy, and he was recruiting you guys. And he gives you his spiel. You know, the Notre Dame, the four for 40 is what they call it. Mm-hmm. You know, four years, Jeremy goes to, to Notre Dame, and then that, that degree is going to be worth 40 years after the NFL, if he makes it, because he's going to have a network at Notre Dame and a $30 billion endowment. That's, you know, only, only like Yale and Harvard have more and MIT maybe to have a bigger endowment than that. And he's going to have this network that puts more people working for NASA, more people working on wall street. And he's going to have this whole education, you know, to fall back on it. If, if when football ends, because let's face it, it's only going to last, if it lasts a decade right. for him, that's that's a great career. All right, exactly. So what happens is then you would ask him, say, well, what about NIL, coach? And his response should be, 
Well, look, it. I can't. He's Jeremy's in high school. I can't specifically talk about our NIL program, but you could ask um, current players when you go on an official visit and ask them about their deals. Because one of the things, Bill, that I think misconception is that some of the schools and, and you know, we know schools that are cheating and they're, they're handing out illegal high deals to high school players and stuff. But a lot of these big schools like Notre Dame, the players at Notre Dame, they're, they're doing it the right way. They're making a ton of money, ton of money, because Notre Dame is still and I don't care what the haters say. I don't care what ESPN says and all these other haters. Notre Dame is still the biggest brand in college football. And they are the players are making a ton of money. I know for a fact that the long snapper at Notre Dame, who's a walk on, who finally was awarded a scholarship, he has a six figure NIL deal, Bill. So he's a walk on, Bill. These guys are making a lot of money. Okay. So can we talk for a second, Sean, about I'm going to go into all of that, Bill. All right. But go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to ask, like, what what are they allowed to? Well, I'm going to explain that. I'm going to go over the whole, like, the perfect scenario I'm going to go into. Okay. So, you know, they're making a ton of money on that. So the next thing is you would talk to the, to the players that are there enrolled in the school, and they would tell you the contracts they have in NIL and what they're making and, and everything explained to Jeremy. And there's also most colleges, most of these big universities, they have a liaison set up that could talk now about NIL opportunities and stuff. So they would explain to you that, look it. We are going to have people once once Jeremy's enrolled, if he if he chooses Notre Dame, you know, we have a program set up to help him understand what's the tax consequences on this. How do you invest this money? Because as a serious investor that I consider myself to be, Bill, somebody that was mentored by my uncle, and I understand diversifying and and where to put money and stuff. I understand that as much as you research and as much as you think you know what you're doing it can still go sideways and if you don't know what you're doing i guarantee it's going to go sideways because somebody could hand you especially an 18 year old kid bill you hand him a million dollars i mean he's buying big ticket items he doesn't know how to invest it he doesn't understand right. the tax consequences with that that money's gone right that yep. money's not going to last right so you have this liaison to explain to you everything how to invest it how to put it in mutual funds maybe put in annuities you know, what's the tax consequences of it and, and give you the opportunities. What's your best NIL opportunities out there? So let's just say this now. So Jeremy decides, okay, I'm going to go to Notre Dame and he enrolls at Notre Dame. Now, once he's enrolled there, here's where the businessman comes in. So I'm a, I'm a, let's just say I'm a, a, I own a shipping tycoon business. I, I have this huge national business, international, let's say. And I come to you and I say, through the liaison, I say, I'm going to give you a $3 million NIL deal. And you can still take deals from other businesses, Bill. But I'm saying, I'm going to give you $3 million. I'm going to give two and a half to you. But I'm going to give another 500000 of that. Let's say five hundred k of that is going to go to my favorite charity, which is, uh, let's just say, homeless veterans. Okay? And the rest is yours to do with what you want. But Here's what you're going to have to do contractually to get this money. It's not just, I'm not just handing you this money. You're going to have to promote my business, whether that's, you know, wear the shirt or whatever, um, maybe do a commercial, go with me somewhere in public at a speaking event or something. And it's all going to be in the contract. And also say every two weeks, 
you're going to come to my, Jeremy's going to come to my favorite charity, homeless veterans. We're going to do this big dinner for, for all these homeless vets. And Jeremy's going to be there with his Notre Dame football Jersey. He's going to talk to all the vets. He's going to serve them food. He's going to take pictures with them. We're going to have this whole event. And, and this is what Jeremy's getting to, to earn his money. This $2.5 million NIL deal. You understand? Right. So that's the perfect scenario, Bill. So then you you sit down with the liaison and you say, well, this is where we're going to put the money. We're going to, they'll, they'll get you with an investor, a, a financial planner, and Jeremy set up. So if something happens, like say his football career doesn't pan out the way you want it to, he still has his money to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And he could also make other NIL deals with, with other businesses, Bill. Okay, so he could make a ton of money while he's in college. And then if he makes it to the NFL, great. If he doesn't, he has this money from the NIL, and he also has an unbelievable degree and a network to set him up with a good job down the line. So Jeremy is set for life. That's the perfect scenario. Yep. Now let's get to the Wild West. And listen, I don't want to sit here and, and, you know, we know who's cheating. We know what teams are cheating. But, you know, people will be up in arms if you accuse them. So I'm going to say what the teams that the evidence shows that they're cheating. It's kind of like I know Alan Dulles, mastermind of Kennedy, but you got to be careful when you say it, you know. But the teams that the evidence shows they're cheating, like Texas A&M, you know, Oregon, that awful team in Southern Cal, um, those teams. So what do those teams say? This is the bad scenario, Bill. This is what's not supposed to happen. So let's just say. Texas ATM or AM, they they show up and they they're recruiting Jeremy. So they come to you, Bill. Jeremy's all, still a high school senior now, right? So this is before his senior year. Let's just say the summer before. Texas AM comes to you, and we're just using them as an example, you know. And they say, Bill, you're gonna get you get your son to come to our school, okay? And we're going to give you a cash bag, million bucks, whatever. And then when Jeremy comes and he enrolls, we'll give him another bag. And then, you know, there'll be another one after that. So let's just say you take that deal, Bill. Okay. Now this is totally against NIL policy. It's not supposed to be an enticement for high school students to choose a school. It's supposed to be for enrolled college students. Okay. But let's just say you take that bill. Okay. So you get to Texas A&M. And all of a sudden you get the first bag, second bag is late. When it finally comes, it's a little light. Then the other bag doesn't come. All of a sudden you're like, what's going on here? So the way the transfer portal is set up, you and Jeremy are frustrated. Say, you know what? I'm transferring out of the school. And in the meantime, you have, say, Oregon coming to you and say, hey, here's a cash bag. We'll give it to you right now. You want two mil? Here's two mil get Jeremy to transfer to Oregon. So Jeremy transfers to Oregon. And then eventually their promises don't keep. And Jeremy transfers again. All of a sudden his career is on a path of disaster, Bill. And if something, God forbid, happens that he doesn't pan out his career or he gets injured, what does he have to fall back on? Because he doesn't, nobody set him up how to use this money, number one. Number two is, He's got, he went going to these football factories that the degree really means nothing. Yeah. So where's he going for a job? You know, what's his career path after that? Where's the interest of the kids? There's nothing. And why, 
Why did I use Texas A&M as an example? Well, they have a video bill of Texas A&M coaches, assistant coaches, and they're, they're taking around a bunch of high school recruits. And the coach says right on the video, he says, see those guys sitting up in the, the stands there with the suits on and they were alumni. He says, you guys could just name their price. You name your price to them to come here, whatever you want. Tell them what you want and you come here. Totally illegal, Bill. And, and it's on tape. And what does the NCAA do about it? Nothing. What the NCAA always does, nothing. And this is the stuff that's totally aggravating me, Bill. It's like the grownups in the room have screwed this up, monumentally screwed this up. Like, this should be enforced by the NCAA. It should be enforced. And it could be solved easily, Bill. Yeah. It could be solved easily. Because let me tell you something. Once you step in, Bill, and you hit these guys hard, and listen, don't take away wins. That's the dumbest thing. When the NCAA does that, that means nothing. The game is won on the field. Like, I don't care the USC lost all those games because Reggie Bush, all that stuff that happened, they took those games. That means nothing to me, Bill. You know, they beat Notre Dame on the field, the Bush-Push game. They beat them. I mean, right. it doesn't matter. They take the win. That means nothing to me. So the NCAA, when they step in with that stupid thing and they take wins away from a team, you are doing nothing. If you want to really stop this, hit them in the pocketbook. Do what, do to them what you did to SMU back in the 80s. Yeah. Because, Bill, when SMU got the death penalty, SMU for a short time period there in, in the, the, the early 80s, about a four or five-year span, they were a national power when they had Craig James and and Eric Dickinson and the Pony Express. And when they hit them with the death penalty, that program went downhill. I mean, absolutely destroyed the program. And it took 25 years, Bill, for the program to have any stability. Okay. And, and today it's, it's a decent program, but it's in a small conference. It's never going to be what it was for that short time period ever again. And the thing is, if you'd hit one of these teams that you know is cheating, and you nail them hard, and, and you hit them in the, the pocketbook, take the revenue away for one year, see what happens, Bill, because a lot of these teams, a lot of these presidents that are looking the other way and letting this stuff happen, it'll stop quick, Bill, Billy. Right, yeah. Now, Sean, you, you mentioned the transfer portal, and that's something right. that's relatively new also. It is, because it used to be, Bill, that you could transfer. Like, if you transferred to another school, you would have to sit out that season. Okay. And that changed. And I thought that was a little bit, you know, I, I didn't like that rule to be, to be honest with you. Right. But now it's like you could transfer uh, multiple times and I don't like that either. You should be allowed one transfer. Okay. And, and to, and be able to play that season, but you shouldn't be allowed multiple transfers. And this is where the whole thing comes in. And now I know they're looking into that. I've read some stuff. I don't know what the rule is going to be by the time the season comes around, but that's something they have to fix. Yeah, you have to fix that problem, Bill, because it's it's bigger. This is really hurting college football, and and the other thing that's hurting college football, Bill, is these these teams, this uh, creation of these super conferences, mm -hmm. and teams like Oklahoma and Texas, you know, going to the SEC and USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Like, how bizarre is that, Bill? What made? How does that make any sense geographically? Yeah, well, it doesn't anyway. Yeah, I it's mean, it's all about money, though. Bill. Right, that's all it. I mean, when you when you look at you know all the, like for instance in basketball, the Big East teams that went to the went to the ACC, I mean, that makes absolutely no, no sense. No sense, Bill. Do you think some kid some kid who's playing college baseball for USC and signed up to play in in beautiful Southern California? Well, the weather's not great right now, but. Right. Uh, 
you know, beautiful Southern California. He wants to play a game against Rutgers in New Jersey. Right. In late February or March. I mean, come on, Bill. Yeah. You know, so it's just, just to ahead. get back to just to get back to the transfer portal for, for a second. Now that right. was that was created and 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 again, you know, if, with good intentions. Sure. It created because basically they wanted to give the player some some recourse because sure, what they should was have happening it, right, is right. you know they would get recruited by a coach they were they were you know signing letters of intent to go and play for this right. coach and then the coach gets coach you know, gets leave. a better job and and leaves yeah. them in the dust or you know they find themselves in a situation where they're like third or fourth on the depth chart they right. know that they're never going to get an opportunity to start so they transfer to another school that was really the purpose right but letting these guys transfer like multiple times bill and it's ridiculous and then it's like a kid's in the in the the portal, and he already committed to another school. Well, was the school talking to him beforehand? Because if you talk to a kid while he's uh, signed and enrolled at another school, that's illegal according to the NCAA. But again, what does the NCAA ever do? Bill? How they do it? They take wins away, which means nothing. That is the dumbest thing. Right. You know, they could step in and solve this problem. And I'll tell you another thing, Bill. That another. I'm going to go off the rails a little bit here. You might have to get me back on track. But another problem with college football is ESPN. ESPN has destroyed college football. I mean, and I used to love ESPN when I was a kid, Bill, but I don't watch it anymore unless Notre Dame and the Red Sox are on. Yeah. I can't watch it. And and the one day I'm flicking through the channels, and they had a segment on there about Notre Dame. So I stopped, and I'm listening. And, of course, they had an awful take on everything, and their all their information was incorrect. It was just complete nonsense. And then they start talking about NIL. And they have one of the guys on, and I, I forget which circus clown it was that was talking, but he says, he says, you know, the teams that are doing the best work with NIL are Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Oregon, and USC. And I'm thinking, my God, is this guy that clueless? I mean, you just named the four teams that are accused of cheating the most, and you're saying they're doing the best with NIL. Yeah, because they're breaking every policy and every rule that's on the books. Right, yeah. And this is how – disconnected ESPN is with reality though. You know, this is, this is how they're and, and ESPN has an agenda to create this, these super conferences and, and they want a, a expansion of the playoffs. And, and listen, why are you expanding the playoffs when you can't even get a final four that's competitive and now you're going to expand it to 12 teams. You're going to give Nick Saban a home game. It's bad enough. You're giving them a month to prepare. Nobody could beat them. Mm-hmm. And you're now you're going to give them a home game. And you're going to expand the playoff. You're going to put 12 teams in the playoff to make extra money. And you're going to destroy a bowl system that's been in place traditionally forever. You know what I mean? Like just the direction ESPN is absolutely. And I'll tell you, I'd rather watch a game on Fox, a college football game. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Gus Johnson and and Joel Clapp, but those guys are tremendous. Yeah, they are. They are tremendous. And CBS does a tremendous job. Yeah. College football. No, I don't follow much NFL. You know that. Hopkins told me that Fox don't do a great job with the NFL in his opinion. So I don't know what they do with the NFL, but for college, I think they're fantastic. I disagree. I think Fox does, does a pretty good job with the NFL. I I think I I wouldn't know, but I know they're great in college, Billy. Yeah. And I, it's to the point that I can't listen to ESPN. Like ESPN is so bad. I usually mute the TV. Like how does Chris Fowler still have a job at ESPN? I don't understand. That guy is horrible. Yeah, I agree. He is absolutely, he must be related to somebody at Disney, ABC or ESPN because I don't know how that man has a job because he is God awful. He really is. Billy. <laughs> yeah. And it's I so agree. frustrating. And 
the thing is, Bill, ESPN, like when you compare, like let's just say, let's just go for a second here, ESPN compared to Fox. Like you take uh, A-Rod, okay? A-Rod comes on to Fox Sports for the baseball, okay, with postseason, and he's on there with Big Poppy and, and Frank Thomas, the big herd. And I've got to tell you, Bill, and you know my feelings on A-Rod. I, I have no love for that guy. Right. You know, but he's he's actually likable, dare he I is. say, on, on Fox. He's, he's actually – those three guys together are funny, they're informative, and they're very good. And I actually like listening to three of them. When A-Rod was on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, it was an absolute disaster, Bill. It was yeah. a disaster. And I remember I remember the one game on a Sunday night. It was a, it was a huge game, Bill. And it was Red Sox and Yankees. They were fighting for first place. And it was late in the game. Big situation. I think the Yanks had a couple guys on. And I'm wondering who's who's in the pen and this and that. And what does ESPN do? They bring J-Lo out, right, in the booth with A-Rod. And it's A-Rod's birthday. So I don't know, Bill, maybe you know when his birthday is. It was like late July, early August. It was late summer. Huge game. Mm-hmm. And they bring J-Lo out singing happy birthday to him. Yeah, I remember that. In the middle of a game, Bill, I'm thinking, I, you know, my phone, Yankee fans are blowing my phone up. I'm getting frustrated. Uh, my TV's ready to get tossed out on the street. And I'm wondering who's in the pen? What's the manager doing? And instead right. of talking about the game, they got J-Lo singing happy birthday. Yeah. I mean, this is what ESPN has become. And this is what college game day has become. Yeah. no, I, College I game agree. day. What's that? I agree with you. I think there are some things, some things ESPN does, does. Okay. I think the, the Manning cast that they do on, on Monday. Yeah, what well, the 30 for 30 is good, but that's usually independent filmmakers. That's really right. not, you know, so I mean, again, you know, some, they do some things, right. They do some things terrible. I, I agree with you. I think for the most part, ESPN promotes ESPN. Well, they, no, the college game day, like, why do I care about, they bring in these pickers, you know, who's picking again, they bring in like, Snoop Dogg is picking games. They bring in some country singer. Like, I don't care what those guys got to say, Bill. Give me somebody who knows the, the game yeah. inside out. And give me some content like Fox is doing, like CBS is doing. Right. You know, and, and that's the frustrating thing. But, you know, I, I think the whole the whole situation of college football, Bill, right now, it, it's an absolute mess. So, Sean, let me just jump in here for a second. So, okay. with, with NIL, there, there are certain things that players are allowed to make money on. And, and there's a list here. And, and this isn't the definitive list, but there's some things here that, that uh, you know, this is what essentially it was it was was written up in the policy and the law. So, right. they're allowed to appear in ads. They're allowed right. to sell ads on, on social media. They're mm-hmm. allowed to sell merchandise. They can start their own sports camps and businesses. They can sell signed memorabilia. They can make you know appearances uh, for money. They can make speeches for money, and they can right. um, sign autographs for money. I think a lot of times what you'll find is that a lot of these guys end up, you know, getting paid by like a local uh, car dealership. Well, yeah, exactly. Like a local business will step in, right? And then, but when they tie it to charity, Bill, that makes it even better because everybody wins. The community wins. You know, right. they yeah. learn responsibility. I mean. It's just, you know, NIL should be a great thing, but it's, and, and listen, I'm not against any of those things. These kids making money that great, great. But, you know, it's not supposed to be an enticement for high school students to come to college. So how do we fix it? How do you think it gets fixed? I Just like I said, Bill, you know, the cheaters, you know, the teams that are cheating, hit them hard. Yeah. And I mean, give them, hit them with the, find the investigation, 
get the evidence and then nail them. And don't don't do something stupid like take wins away from them because that means nothing. Right. Give them the death penalty. And I'm serious. Hit them hard. Give them a year off from football. And you know what? You're going to hurt a lot of people, but you know what? It has to be done because the presidents have to understand at these schools that they got to be responsible. And, and it's just, you know, and listen, Bill, there's a lot of teams that are doing it right. You know, I mentioned Notre Dame is doing it right. Most all of the big 10, from what I understand, they're doing it the right way. Um, Clemson is doing it the right way. Whatever you think of Dabo Sweeney down there in Clemson. I know a lot of people don't like him because he's, you know, he's always belly aching to the referees, but let me tell you something. He's a heck of a ball coach and he's running the program down there. He's doing NIL the right way. And, you know, there's there's a lot of schools around the country that are doing it the right way, Bill. And and they have the student athlete, you know, first in mind, and they're 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 doing this right. And there's it's just the schools that are doing it wrong are doing it so badly and so blatant, Bill. It's like the wild west. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I honestly think, and maybe I'm wrong in this, Bill, but I think more teams are doing it right than doing it wrong. Oh, I'm sure. I well, just think that the teams that are doing it wrong are just it's so blatant, Bill. Yeah, it's just so blatant. I mean, I don't know how we are in time, but I wanted to go in. There, there's a couple of stories I wanted to go into. Do we have time to go into a story? Well, yeah, let's do let's do one and then we're going to have to wrap up. OK, so we have the Peyton Bowen was a top recruit in the country. OK, he was a safety recruit and he's from Texas and he was one of the top safeties. It was either him or this kid, Caleb Downs, who went to Alabama. They were the two top safeties. And he was committed to Notre Dame for 11 months, Bill. Okay. And what happened was Oklahoma was always the threat um, to flipping him because his girlfriend went to Oklahoma and there was a quarterback prospect there by the name of Jackson Arnold, who was a top quarterback prospect that Notre Dame wasn't too high on. They were higher on other guys. And he kind of had a vendetta against them after that. And he kind of was always trying to poach his good buddy, Peyton Bowen back to Oklahoma. So 11 months go by, he's committed to Notre Dame and the class at Notre Dame was really tight built. The, the, all the kids, the, the 20 some commits and the parents were all tight. They were all communicating by zoom, talking to each other. And they all became really close. What happens bill is a couple of days before the early signing period, um, Peyton Bowen gets an offer. Oregon makes their move. Uh, Two million dollar under the hand under the table NIL deal. You know, that's that's what was out there. Okay. Oregon wasn't even recruiting him that hard. Like, I don't even know if he officially visited Oregon at this point. So then what happens is Oklahoma matches that. Okay. They they already upped it. They I think they they said 2.5. So now you have the kid has to defend himself on Twitter. So he's out there saying, Oh, this stuff isn't true because everybody, you know what a mess social media is now, Bill. It's a cesspool. Everybody's putting this out there. And the kids out there trying to defend themselves saying, oh, you know, these offers that they're saying, people are saying it's not true. And one thing I want to say, Bill, if you're if you're a grown man and you're on Twitter and you're attacking a, a teenager and his mother on Twitter, you know, you're the problem. You, you got to look in the mirror because I see this all the time, Bill, and it just yeah. drives me crazy. Yeah. So anyway, what happens is, you know, Oklahoma and Oregon both make their move and then. Notre Dame has to to counter this. So Marcus Freeman fights to try to get in to the to the house, and they didn't even want to let him in. And let me explain this, Bill. The parents were separated or something, but they weren't together. And the father was always looking for an NIL deal. 
he was looking for an upfront NIL deal. And the mother was always looking for that Notre Dame education. So she was pro ND. The father wasn't. So finally Freeman, who I think is a rock star. I mean, I'm, I'm so high on Marcus Freeman, despite that stupid losses to Marshall and Stanford. I think he's on the right tracks and you could tell by Nick Saban poaching the program out of time. He's, he's doing something right, but he gets in the house and he talks to the, to the parents and convinces them, Hey, look at that four for 40, just like I talked earlier, Bill. And he convinces Peyton Bowen to stick with Notre Dame. So he gets on a zoom call after this with all the kids and the parents. And he tells them I'm coming to Notre Dame. So the next day they have this set up at the school. Cause you know, all these kids got to commit now. It's got to be a big thing at the high school and everything. And he sets it up and they have the three hats on the table, Bill. They have Oregon, Oklahoma, Notre Dame. And the parents are on either side of them. The father's sitting there with a big grin on his face, never changed. The mother's sitting over there and she's absolutely disgusted, Bill. Because a half hour before, he ghosted everybody. He wasn't talking to any of the, the Notre Dame stu- uh, players. He wasn't talking to Freeman. And, uh, and everybody's like, oh, boy, here we go with the drama. And I'm watching this, Bill, and I could just see that the, the mother's body language. I, this should be the happiest day of her life. And I could see she's disgusted. I said, this kid ain't picking Notre Dame. I could see it right now. So what happens is he actually picks up the Notre Dame hat, okay? And you see the mother's expression change. She just was elated. She just started to get all excited, and she was, like, shocked. And then he throws the hat down, and he puts on the Oregon hat. And the dad's sitting over there smiling the whole time. And the crowd or the the audience just went quiet, Bill. They didn't know what to say. and. The drama got even worse after this. So then he didn't even send in his letter of intent into Oregon. He didn't sign, sign his letter. So they're waiting, they're waiting. And then there's rumors all over again. Social media is all blowing up that the kid's begging to come back. He's calling Freeman, calling Notre Dame. He wants to go to Notre Dame. And he's calling them. And, you know, it's speculation what happened after that. But, you know, you could put two and two together, Bill. Freeman probably went back to the team and asked him, do we want to let this guy back in after all this, after you lied to our face? And they probably said no. So Notre Dame didn't, you know, they, they didn't offer after that. So anyway, he ends up not signing with Oregon. He ends up signing with Oklahoma. And now there's more drama. I just read something else. There's something going on. I don't know what the heck. It's like, this is a never ending story, but Bill, this is just one story of what's going around around the country and how these teams are using NIL as an enticement for high school athletes. Yeah. And that's not what it should be. And it's got to be policed. And it's if the NCAA, if, if the Massachusetts governor is going to step in and do and fix this, great. But if he's not, then the presidents of these schools are going to have to take responsibility because who else is going to do it, Bill? Yeah. Because at some point, there's going to be a breaking point, Bill. Uh, well, uh, yeah, and it sounds like we're we're getting close to there anyway. So Charlie Baker is the guy who Charlie he's, Baker, yeah, he's the guy who's going to be taking over next. And week. I wish him well. I hope he could do it. I hope so. I hope so. But I, you know, Sean, it, it does sound like this. This is also a way to kind of weed out these guys that probably wouldn't be good team guys anyway. Probably. Well, not. sure, Bill. I mean, that, I mean, letting that kid back, it would have been a cancer. Oh, it would have been terrible. You know? But and I, you know, what part of me feels bad for the kid, Bill. And I know, sure, listen, a lot of these kids when they were eighteen, they were they were drafted to Vietnam. Right. I know, you know, they got to take some responsibility, but this kid's getting pulled in a million different directions. He's getting bad advice. Yeah. Uh, and and who, who's got the interest of these kids? It certainly isn't the, the presidents of some of these schools. 
It certainly isn't the NCAA, and it definitely isn't ESPN. So and, I mean, and in a lot of cases, it's not the parents either. The parents are, you know, parents are looking for the quick buck too. Yeah, they are. But you know what, Bill? I mean, sometimes you know they got financial situations and and they they need the quick money and everything. But the thing is, you know, that's where the NCAA's got to stop it. They got to step in and say, look, at this is illegal. You can't. This policy's got to be enforced. Yep. Yep. You know. And that, I mean, we could go on here forever, Bill. I, I just, this is something that, you know, college football, it's got to be fixed, buddy, because I'm getting frustrated. And, you know, one thing I want to just end with, Bill, is because I'm getting a lot of, a lot of questions from, you know, my fellow Notre Dame fans. They want to know the state of the program. And I think, you know, we got the right guy. I think Marcus Freeman's a rock star. Mm-hmm. And I think Notre Dame, despite the losses, you know, the, some bad losses last year, but he's a first year coach. He's a pup. He's 36 years old. Right. You could see when, when Nick Saban starts poaching your program and Nick Saban went in and stole Keon Keeley, uh, the top uh, defensive recruit from us. He stole Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator. When, when Alabama is looking at your program, but you know, you're doing something right, you know, because usually it's the other way around. Everybody's trying to become like Alabama. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing is Freeman, I think, you know, Brian Kelly was like, he, he won 10 games almost every year, but he, he, there was this gap. He could not get past, the elite teams, the Alabamas, the Georgias, um, uh, you know, the Ohio States. And I think sometimes, Bill, it's like you're going up a hill, right? And you pass everybody off, but there's there's three, four cars at the top you can't get to. Sometimes you got to back it up a little bit, right? you know, and, and get a little bit of a, of a head start and then go up. And I think Freeman's on the right track. I think he's a dynamic recruiter. And in spite of all this nonsense with NIL, all these cheaters that are out there, He's doing a great job. He's 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 addressing the issues because the the one issue that that Brian Kelly had that he never addressed was he couldn't close the gap at quarterback. And and you know, Bill, you have to have a, a five star quarterback, a right. stud quarterback at college. Yep. And Freeman has addressed that. He got the kid from Wake Forest. He got C.J. Carr coming in twenty four, who's one of the best films I've ever seen as a high school quarterback. I mean, he, Freeman has addressed the problem. He knows what the problem is, and I think he closed the gap. I think even though he won nine games and Brian Kelly won 10 for all those years, I think we're closer now to Alabama and Georgia than we've been at any time under Brian Kelly. And I know that's hard for Notre Dame fans to understand because a lot of them listen to that garbage that spilled on ESPN, which I wish I wish people would just stop listening to that channel, Bill. I really do because I have nothing good to say about ESPN. Yeah. And that's my rant for the day, buddy. All right. Well, time will tell. We we will see. All right, Sean. Well, this is a great episode. I think it, a lot of good information, a lot of stuff that people probably didn't know. Um, and, and let's you know, get it fixed, Billy. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, as we said, this Charlie, Charlie Baker, uh, he's got his work cut out for him. That's for sure. I hope he comes in and he does. But there's a way to fix it, Billy. There's a way to fix it. Yep. Well, I hope he comes in and does that and, and doesn't do what every NCAA president has done in the past, which is nothing, what? nothing collective. Take some wins away, Bill. Takes take take, take uh, a season of wins away from the team because that yep. that'll hurt. Yep, you know that that'll stop everything. <laughs> Stupid. All right, Sean. Good show. Good uh, good right, topic. Buddy. Really good. All right, Billy. That's enough out of you, NCAA. I've heard enough. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night.